Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beyond the Mat podcast, hosted by Emmanuel Clauser and Jared Rowan. A space for you to transcend your yoga beyond your mat and into your life. Yeah, so that if you say anything funny, I can... <laughs> you, can r- r- you can put it out. I can put it out. Yeah, this is working. Okay. Yeah. Hey. Hello. Hey, hello. Welcome. Okay. Hey, guys. It's Jared and Emmanuel. Hi. So we're so excited to bring you another podcast today. Yeah. Um, so this guest is definitely near and dear to my heart. Um, so we are joined today by Mary Dana Abbott, um, who is going to give you a longer intro to who she is. But I'll tell you how I know her and then Emmanuel's experience with her as well. So Mary Dana, I met in, in 2017 at Laughing Lotus. She did the majority of my advanced training. So she is an, is a now Katona teacher in Manhattan, but she was part of Laughing Lotus, um, kind of head of the curriculum for them for many years. And I have specific training with her in hands on assists and super sequencing. Um, so she is responsible for some of the sequencing and, and the hands-on I used to do prior to COVID. Um, she's an amazing teacher, and I could get into a diatribe about why she is my mentor, the mentor, I would say. Um, but I won't. I'll just share one lesson I learned from her, which I share in the teacher trainings, um, is she was the teacher that taught me in yoga um, and maybe in life that you should always know why you're doing something as a yoga teacher. So you don't just string sequences together without a reason behind it. So there should be an intention to everything you do. Um, and that's one message I think I, I love and I carry with me even five years later. Yeah, that's so, amazing. Yeah. And I got to meet Mary Dana actually when she came to Ocean City with Felipe, which we interviewed mm-hmm. previously. Yes. They did together a um, couple classes. Like uh, there was a Katona yeah, class, we, yeah. and then the myth class, and maybe, did they do yeah. a magic square or no? Yes. Yeah. And then tell them about your experience when we went over that night. Oh, yeah. Because so, you had a pretty personal experience I with did. her. So we were hosting them at Dawn's house, mm-hmm. and a bunch of people came over after the evening class, and she did a body reading on me. So you can look that up, I guess, online, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um... It's with yoga props and they kind of position your body in a, in different ways to kind of read your body your and, and tell you yeah. about who you are. And it was so funny because she was like saying how I'm on my toes and I'm always like doing, 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 doing. And boy, is that poignant now? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know that we've said it on the podcast, but you've already, well, probably already have left. Can I we probably, say it? yeah, we can say it. Yeah. I, um, I am moving yes. out of Ocean City and into Miami Beach. Welcome to Miami. Miami. Mm, mm. But yeah, that's my uh, that's my news. Yeah, it's exciting. So um, yeah, let's listen to Mary Dana. We're super excited to have you on the Beyond the Map podcast. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. How many podcasts have you been getting into the podcast realm? We always ask people like what their experience is with doing interviews on podcasts. Is this like you've done a few or? I've done a few now. This would be like only a fifth or sixth one. So nice. yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. Cool. I think Maybe less you listened to one yesterday. Yes. Yeah, we talked about it yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was telling Emmanuel, you were like, um, the brief yoga <laughs> evolution. I knew exactly why he said that. I knew exactly what he listened to and I knew exactly what came. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, you said that. I'm like, oh, okay. It was from this podcast. That... But it was it like an hour podcast. I did enjoy it. It was my whole workout at the gym though. That, you know, if you can still, if you can work out to a podcast, then you know it's a good podcast. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. And the girl had like an accent, which I really liked. Yeah. I think. Yeah, she did. I think she was from Scotland. Okay. Or Ireland or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, we're so excited to have you. And I think you know this, but you know Emmanuel because you did her body reading a couple of years ago at Dawn's house. Yes. Um, which is actually in the intro. We already recorded the intro. Yeah. Um, without you here. And we talked a little bit about that experience for her. Yeah. Um, and she, you gave her a little bit of feedback, like she was always in her toes and it's just very poignant because she is moving again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so she may not be learning from that, or maybe she's using that information to propel her into her next destination. Yeah. Listen, the information is like useful no matter how you use it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, cool. but oh, we're, we're so yeah, we're so excited to have you because a lot of at least the local people that listen to the podcast kind of know a little bit you through me, believe it or not, just because I do talk about you uh, in the trainings. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of um, the students that practice that I get to practice with know of you. For sure. So we're super excited to have you and just kind of on. And one of the big reasons we wanted to have you on was to talk about first, let's talk about you, of course, but Katona yoga, because we haven't really done a podcast on that, but we wanted to, um, because a lot of our trainees and a lot of our listeners ask like, what is Katona yoga? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and they seem interested, but before we get to that, can you just tell us a little bit about you, what you do, where people, you know, where you're at now, and then Go from there. Sure. So I've been teaching uh, yoga, I think now for 17 years. So, uh, or this is my 17th year. And over those almost two decades, I've, uh, you know, learned a lot. And even before that, I studied a lot of different kinds of yoga. And, you know, my like history before Katona was vinyasa. And while I was teaching a lot of vinyasa, which I still do, I dabbled in all kinds of other theories, not necessarily theories, but also like styles, like our uh, schools, like you can categorize them anyway, like Iyengar, um, even Anusara for a brief moment in time. Um, and, you know, I've also used other movement disciplines like Pilates in like as both of us as a student also incorporated that in my teaching. And so I teach how to teach. I teach Katona yoga in all different ways, like in the vinyasa experience, in a hatha, more hatha experience and with chairs. Um, And I also do teach Pilates since the pandemic, Matt Pilates. Yeah. So. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Just a little bit. And for our listeners, I think when they hear chair yoga, they think like, this is horrible, but like nursing home. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Well, one thing, everybody, everybody is in an aging body, no matter how young you are. And while there's a certain point where you go up and then you go down. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely pro aging, but I understand like, I understand that that's what I do on the chair tends to be a little bit different than what you might find in the silver sneakers world. But I also try to, especially when I'm teaching teachers, because I know that, you know, people adapt what they do to different populations. And we'll get into this when we talk about Katoni yoga, like it's, you know, it's more about the experience of what the asana is rather than the asana, you know, like the function of the pose um, or the posture. And, you know, I have a lot of fun with chairs as sort of a tool for what you might perceive as a very able-bodied practice or, you know, quote unquote advanced practice. It's not how I define advanced, but I also use it as a tool with people working with, um, you know, different, we all have limitations, but different limitations. Um, you know, some of my private students are, are in their eighties and nineties, you know, mm-hmm. and some of them are like in their twenties. <laughs> so yeah. it's like kind of finding common ground in those worlds seems very challenging, but I think there's a way to do it. I once did teach chair workshop where the age range was like 22 to like 85 years old. And it was the like the most rewarding experience in my teaching career because I had to figure out how to adapt what I was doing Mm. to so to a lot of different embodied experiences. Yeah. That's a challenging thing too. I um, used to teach New Year's Day every year and I had a woman come 
for about three years and she was 70 some years old and her son, she would only come once a year, but she said her son always told her to do something. She was a little scared of when the new year started. And I remember, like you said, kind of like having to adapt because it was usually a packed class, like in a studio. Um, But I think, think that was pretty cool. Um, Yeah. Yeah, And it's, and it's also not age. Like it's, I, you know, there's some like older people who are dancers and can, you know, still have a lot of physical access. And then, you know, younger people who came to practices later um, have, you know, different access points. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's cool to explore it all. Oh, yeah. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what Katona Yoga is? Sure. So Um, Katona Yoga is a very rich theory that was developed by Naveen Mishan um, and her teachers. Like that's a big part of it. It's not, you know, it's like definitely something that is, you know, worked with and continuing to be explored through the lens and the eyes of the teachers and the, not just the eyes, but the experience of the teachers teaching it. Um, It incorporates a lot of different theory, Hatha yoga, Taoist principles, sacred geometry. Um, And, you know, there's, there's some core principles to it. One is that, you know, all polarities are mediated by Trinity, right? So it's like the idea of, you know, there is no and or, I'm sorry, there is no or, or either or, it's both and, right? And, you know, that there's a similarity between um, that and some other yoga theory that I think is interesting that we might touch on later, later, Um, And then another principle is that the patterns that repeat in the universe imply an intelligence. And so it's something to explore patterns. You can get insights from patterns. And then by virtue of repetition, seeing the cyclical nature of things and doing things over and over again, you can get an insight. Right. So those are kind of three core tenets Mm -hmm. of the practice. And then we use, you know, the physical body to explore it on the physical plane. And to, and to, it's really to, you know, up the level of our, of, of our personal experience, of our communal experience. Right. So that it's, it's, um, we, can play in the realm of existence well with ourselves and well with others. Mm. And I was going to ask from a, um, a physical standpoint, what, and maybe this isn't a great question, but what does, okay, as I'm saying it, but uh, um, what does. There are Katona, no bad questions. Yeah. There's just <laughs> stupid people, right? Uh, <laughs> um, what is, if you Both said. Both <laughs> Um, what would you say the physicality looks like to someone who is looking through the lens of yoga and they're like, you know, like you say, vinyasa, you say like, and some of our listeners will resonate with that. Like, what does the physical practice of Katona look like? Or is it so, is it pretty broad? Very broad. You can do Ashtanga and explore Katona yoga theory with it. You can do, you know, a a slow half half of practice. Um, you could do a vinyasa practice. However, some of these practices have expectations, you know, that some people have expectations of some of these labels, mm-hmm. um, like in a vinyasa, it might not be, you could do it in any kind of class. Although I like to see the, that the world of Katona yoga and vinyasa can work together. And I teach that way, but I also am aware that, you know, I don't do one breath per movement and just call out poses. And then you're just kind of going through the checklist of a practice, right? Like in my class, um, there's, there's more, there's theory in what you're teaching. There's metaphor, like another getting back to the description of the practice, it's like we use metaphor mm-hmm. um, so that there's symbolism in what you're doing. So you can also speak. Metaphor is very, very, um, very cultural, right? Mm-hmm. And and there's also the archetype of numbers that we use, which is not so cultural because numbers tend to mean the same thing wherever you go. Like mm-hmm. one means one. And 
you know, Poughkeepsie, New York and Beijing, China, right? Like, like one, you know, and two means two, right? And it's like, and we play with these numbers and concepts because it's a way to understand the world that we live in, right? Things add up, things don't add up. When they don't add up, that gives us information. Um, So, you know, there, it's, you can do this with any practice, because it's a theory and a lens to look at something through, look, look at the world through. Mm-hmm. However, you know, you, you have to be willing to check into the practice in a certain way. I think, Jared, we were talking about this last night. Like there's a there's a kind of element of practice when they're not, this is no right or wrong, right? But where you kind of go to it's like disengage from your existence in a way. Let go of what is, you know, happening in your world, in your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a thing. And that's a practice. And that might really work for someone for a while. But I think the theory of Katona Yoga, if I'm going to articulate it, gives us tools to really engage with our existence Mm -hmm. because there's insight there. There's pattern there. There's the cyclical nature of, you know, what we go through day in and day out. There's a cycle of a day, a cycle of a year and the seasons, a cycle of goal and achievement. If we get to the achievement of the goal, Right. right? There's these different things that we can play with to understand our world and function well in it. And I think um, one thing you spoke to Mary Dana was so, and you actually, this was a podcast I listened, but I, I do want to pass on the info because you said it um, in this other podcast. Um, but you said like, like, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe at one point in your life, you practice yoga to you to tune out almost. Mm-hmm. And Katona yoga is more about tuning in. Mm-hmm. Does that Yeah, no, tuning inward and exploring the tapestry, you know, of the body, exploring like where we both go and we don't go, Um, you know, because, you know, the body tells there's nowhere else to live our life other than our body. That's a paraphrase from um, Dejus's book, Dejus Julia, Julia Keats, who's a wonderful teacher. Um, And you know, it's so simple, duh, of course, but like, we don't really operate that way. Mm -hmm. Right. And so not only is it the only place we live our bodies, it really tells the story of how we've already lived, where, you know, who we came from. Mm -hmm. Um, And all that information can be really, really useful into telling us where we're going. Now we can choose to use it or not, but in order to use it, you have to see it. And so there's these, the tools of the practice give you the tools for insight Mm -hmm. through maps. So going back to that idea of, you know, tuning in or turning out, tuning in or turning, tuning in or tuning out, (laughs) or like, can a flow practice be an insightful one? I think it can because what you have in 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 a flow practice, and it also depends what we mean by flow. Like I think some some people define vinyasa. I know that some people think vinyasa yoga means chaturanga up dog down dog. Right. Just because I got like a review once, on on like 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 somebody like years ago at Equinox didn't like my class, and like for for I told her not to do a chaturanga and this was back I would have probably never teach this way anymore but I was like <laughs> but like you know like I you know like she was the form was off and I was like you're gonna hurt yourself which really not I don't really have a right to tell anybody that like I would <laughs> I would do it differently now right. but she was she was like why would she tell me not to do the vinyasa if I was in a vinyasa class right like like that's not the definition of a vinyasa and I've taught many right, classes right. where like you know people are doing 10 chaturangas right oh while gosh. we're doing the yeah. sun salutation again nothing wrong with this but it really just goes to show you that people have different frames of reference and define things differently. And this comes from their experience. And that's not wrong. You can't really tell somebody that's wrong if it comes from their experience, but what not, not the, but like, it's a different thing. Um, But I think like the, the key to working this into a flow practice is you have to like, like redefine 
what flow is. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think flow or real flow can happen without a certain amount of form and function. Yes, you can, you know, dance and, you know, kind of go out clubbing and that can be like an experience <laughs> in a yoga class, right? Like yes. a, I, we've both been in classes like that. We've both taught classes like that. And there's, there's a lot of fun to that. Maybe you have too. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, sure. so, um, you know, but I think like you can find a common ground where you can set up tools of insight in the body and then explore the repetition and the pattern, which I think are thing. There are two concepts where I think Katona yoga and vinyasa can work with each other pattern and repetition like vinyasa really means careful step oh wow yeah yeah to 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 be really full of care in each step that you make a thread a tapestry a story Mm -hmm. you know so it's it, it and it might be fast and it might be slow and in the moment you think it's one thing or another you all have to go back to both and Mm -hmm. right like it's i think what i want to say next is going to come from one of your questions so okay um and that made me that made me think of like when you're talking about and in this podcast too we talk a lot about bringing it into your life is the practice itself sometimes with katona yoga the metaphor for how you can apply to your life what you like the what you're doing in the class you actually take these literal tools and and apply them to your life like well that's an interesting question i'm not mm-hmm. sure if i'm like you know like always magic squaring everything but sometimes i do explore like magic square by the way for listeners is mm-hmm. like a, t- a map a template um um, it's not just of Katona yoga, though we use it to map out a body, but it's a it's a concept that every row, line, and column and diagonal add up in a square. Like you play Sudoku, Sudoku is a magic square, right? And um, you know, it's a map of a whole, and it gives us different ways to travel through different different parts of our body, or the whole body, or different parts of our lives. And I do use that tool, you know, a lot, especially like, you know, I'll just give the first three numbers on the magic square. It's like you, you drop in, you have a dialogue with dropping in. So a body, so it's like dropping into your body. Oh, I'm a body. And then you are, you have articulation, you bring things out into the surface, you start to play with dimension, right? So a lot of times we go through life, we have all these ideas, but we don't bring them around in time or do the things that need or put the plans in motion. And I think right? that's and, a very good point. This is something Mary Dana and I were talking about last night in the yeah. mentor session we had, which I think is really relevant is I asked her, I said, you know, a lot of my clients and my patients, they are moving from one to two, like they drop in, they have all these goals, but then they, they don't bring it to the surface, which right. is number three. And I think that's so relevant. And Mary Dana said, and maybe you can expand on it. Well, Jared, it's a time game mm-hmm. from two to well, three, from bringing goals to the surface. Can you talk a little bit about Sure. Well, if the goal is in your head, it's in your head and you might spend time with it in your head, but it's not happening. And it's not, you're not putting it out there in the world. You're not articulating it. You're not bringing it around in time, right? If it's just staying between you and you and the dialogue of you doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why a lot of times the first step for goal setting is writing them down. Because even then you bring it into the surface, you are articulating it, you are putting your desire on paper. So it's like the first step in bringing it out in time. And then you have, you know, there's more steps that have to take place um, after that. But, you know, when we, we use calendars a lot in the practice because calendars don't lie. And every year the theory comes out in a calendar and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a few, if any listener wants to, to, to get one, they can find me on my website and find the calendar, but it's because you put things in your calendar and then you write down if it happened or not. And then at the end of the year, if you didn't get 
where you wanted to go, the answer is going to be in the calendar. Hmm. It's like, does that make sense? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Right. Oh, well, there it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah that's it. super cool. Mm-hmm. Did you have right. an aha moment or were you like, no, I just, I mean, yeah, I guess I like that. I think that's such a good idea. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's playing with playing with time, learning how to get the best of your time. Cause everybody has the same amount of hours is the big part of the game. Now, not everyone has the same amount of responsibilities and that's a truth and a reality as well, but we do play. It's like the great leveling field. We have, all have the same amount of hours and learning how we spend those hours is can be insightful because um, the day repeats Mm. the the sun is perceived to rise and set but really we rise we set everything happens around us learning how to play with the different patterns the different cycles of great nature because everything that makes up great nature makes up our personal nature we have lunacy like the lunar moon Mm -hmm. we have the ability to be radiant and shine like the sun we have the ability to interact with a lot of different polarities and mediate them we have the ability to see what is not in front of us so that's really in a way stellar Mm -hmm. um consciousness and it's a way of playing with consciousness to be aware of so many different things even if you can't see them and that's one thing that makes us human right and you can almost like i don't know if you can just define consciousness but i've read a definition of consciousness is this that it is the ability to understand that there's more than what you just see in front of you Mm. And that's something you spoke on before, I think, was I was telling her, like, you know, I want my people to get to the answer <laughs> in yeah. therapy quicker. And, she, and, I, and you said some of these things are really sticking with me for my practice, my private practice and therapy is like, you know, that's because you're seeing something that they're not seeing yet, mm-hmm. like the blind spots, right? Like in the in Katona, I think also mentions that a little bit, like. Well, one of the, after three, so we did one, two, three mm-hmm. is four and, and four is a frame. So four, four points make up a frame of vision and it's your frame of reference and really your worldview and what you see is defined mm-hmm. by where you're looking mm-hmm. also where you came from. Right. And, and all that information, what you see is true, but what, what someone else is, what someone else sees is also true. And it can be a completely different angle depending on where they came from and their worldview and their experiences and their culture. And this is, you know, both end. these things can be true at the same time. Um, and I think that when we're dealing with working with people and trying to, especially if you're in a position of, uh, of someone who's helping someone uh, understand and uncover things that they don't see. It's, I think, important to remember they see what they see for a reason. Mm. You see what you see for a reason too. And, you know, we, there are always blind spots in our frame of reference and we'll never see everything, but we can, we can start to, uh, we can, never see everything but we can make peace with that it also is there yeah and i think that is at the core of being a curious human being because once you know there's always more to see and always more to understand you will always seek knowledge and learn you will always enter conversations with more willingness to listen Mm -hmm. right rather than entering them maybe to reinforce what you already think and know which is this, uh, which is, we did a podcast on listening yeah, and yeah. one time, and, and it was kind of talking about that's how you gain the most sometimes mm-hmm. is, be, is being, you should never, I think it was Confucius that says something along the lines of if you're the, in the smart, if you're the smartest person in the room, leave the room. Like, <laughs> 
Because you, you know, you may not, there may not be a lot to gain is what he was saying. I think the ability to hear other people's experiences and then you can apply it maybe to your life, maybe to someone else's moving forward. Yeah. Um, I think it kind of speaks to that a little bit. And it also, you can apply it. It doesn't even have to have automatic a- application. It mm-hmm. can actually, it, you don't necessarily have to apply it. It might give you a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you can play with and not not play with like it's like a thing, a toy. But, you know, there can be an element of play with dealing with changing your perspective. Yeah. Because sometimes I think instead of it thinking that you have to give everything up to have a different point of view, mm-hmm. which I think keeps people from looking at things differently. Instead, it's like, oh, I can see what I see, but let me also entertain seeing how someone else sees. And that's, yeah, and that's super powerful because I'm thinking, you know, and sometimes we, um, I'm thinking of Matt, um, my partner at home, and he will like, he can't stand it because I'm always trying to look from different perspectives because it's just what I do. So he'll come home and complain about <laughs> like a coworker. And I'm like, well, Matt, this is, you know, maybe why she did. And he's like, oh my God, like, never mind. <laughs> like, uh, which I've had to learn. Probably he needs me to listen sometimes right. and not be like that. But I think that's a powerful tool that can help people a lot of times is seeing things from different perspectives because then it does eliminate sometimes like negative attachment or like a negative experience, or you're able to, to manage emotion better when you look at something through a different lens. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And yeah. getting back to the imagining of not no, but managing emotions better, just managing to be like, ha- to, to exist, like to, to be very functional in our personal and communal spaces you know, there, there's sometimes we have to like outsmart ourselves and our own in our own instincts sometimes and inclinations and habits. And that is like having that pause, that reflective pause, which is, mm-hmm. I think, like a technique that I think you can explore in the body. Mm-hmm. And it gives you because you're always in your body. When you're in a yoga practice, you're engaging your near body differently in different circumstances than, you know, in other parts of your life, but you're still in the body. Right. And And why is the pause, why is the pause important? You said, you know, that pause. Well, it's before you react, before you let yourself get the best of you. It's, it's like a sneaky trick. Like no one has to know you pause, but it's like (laughs) learning how to not send the email that you just, you know, learning oh, how yeah. actually learning how to write the email without putting the person's email in the to field <laughs> and oh, then sleeping right. on it. Right. <laughs> it's, it's like learning how, you know, like, like here's something that comes up in my mind today. I'm like, when I feel like I want to, you know, react to something and I'm like, well, how is this going to best serve the whole situation? Right. Like kind of take a step back to really be present to see the bigger picture, because in that moment of, you know, reaction, and we all have them as humans, like there's, you're already jumping to the future mm-hmm. in a way. And you're just, or maybe you're like stuck in the past. Maybe it's not just jumping to the future, but maybe it's just sort of something on repeat from a habit. Um, and, and so it's like a moment to sit with the impulse or mm-hmm. stand with it. Or even be in a conversation so that your next action becomes reflective of a bigger reality. Mm -hmm. That's cool. One thing I definitely wanted us to touch on, and you kind of said this um, briefly, but I want to kind of give a little... No, this is no, definitely yeah, this one is- one thing that I want to hit on for our listeners because I really resonated with it and loved it is can you talk a little bit about the three natures mm-hmm. and like what they are in the Katona practice and sure, sure. So first nature, second nature, third nature. Um, first nature is like your inheritance, your stock, like where you came from, who you came from. 
Um, it is even as a human being, our programming, like what we are able to do. Naveen uses, has explained it this way. I think it's helpful. Like it is in our first nature to learn how to read as human beings, right? It is not our first nature to fly without a plane, meaning that, you know, if you, if you expect that you're going to fly in the air, that's not going to happen, right? Without, (laughs) without another piece of material, right? Mm -hmm. If you expect to swim underwater and survive, like, like not expect to, but if you, that's not in our programming. Mm -hmm. Second nature is, so let's go to the learn how to read um, or learn how to ride a bike, right? We can use those two. Second nature is, is learning how to read, learning how to ride a bike. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's technical. So first nature is also foundational. It's material of the body. It's lunar. Second nature is pattern. So also the Latin root of matter and potter material. It's like mother and father material pattern. So second nature is pattern, um, technique, solar. So it's learning how to read. Third nature is reading, choosing what to read. You know, third nature is now that you have this innate ability and you have now honed that ability, now you can make choices and you can choose. Mm -hmm. So I used the metaphor of lunar, solar, stellar earlier. So first nature is lunar, second is solar, third is stellar. Stellar is consciousness, stellar is being conscious of of both mm-hmm. and using it. And do you think our goal, and this is a broad question again, but for listeners is like, is the goal for us to get to stellar? Is there no real goal? It's just to navigate all of them. You're always stellar. Okay. You're always all. I know. Thank you, Mary Jane. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, here, here's another way to look at it. Right. And, and, and so body, mind, breath, right? So body, lunar, First nature, breath, second nature, the animator, mind, stellar, Mm. right? So you're always all three. Like, it's like, you know, we don't have to say now we're going to connect our mind, body and our breath because guess what? They're already connected, you know, and, and, you know, we use the mind a little bit differently in Katonia other than just like, okay, let go of your mind because you really can't, right? (laughs) right no no you really like i'm talking about certain practices well like you know and it's true like yeah there is a there is something true about like letting go of like the different like the problems that get you down but we let go of those by turning our attention elsewhere Mm -hmm. and then you start to see maybe more what that problem is and how it fits into the bigger picture and let it instead of letting it take you away Mm -hmm. you might even be able to solve it that way one more thing about first, second, third nature is because then you have fourth nature. And fourth is really you having the experience of reading the book that you've chosen, right? So first nature is learning how to read, learning how to ride a bike. Second nature, I'm sorry, first nature is having that ability innately. Se- second nature is the technique of learning. Third nature is picking what to read, picking where to ride your bike. Fourth nature is having the experience in time. Mm. Right. So then we see how these all play with the other trinities, lunar, solar, stellar, body, mind, breath. Mm-hmm. And do you think people can they bring because we've talked a lot about this, but can they bring those natures into into life? So beyond in, in life changes, can you speak to that? Like, how is that relatable and tangible to? Sure. So first nature, like because it's lunar, it's habitual. Okay. So like it can be, let's say you have a habit that's like, you know, a, a, a tick, you feel like it's just a part of you, or you might not even be, you know, cognizant of it. It's like who you are when you aren't thinking. Right. So we'll go back to that, you know, reactive one. Cause I, I feel like I've used the practice to work on, on that. You know, I can be yeah. very fiery and like, you know, like, you know, like used, used to be maybe sometimes still a little jump, you know, <laughs> Like I, I want to speak to what I know a lot, but like, you know, 
taking a step back has been a really powerful practice. So let's say you want to, you know, you know that it's in your first nature to jump the gun, to really speak before thinking. Mm -hmm. So then you use technique. Mm -hmm. You use a technique. No one has to know but you use a technique. No one has to know what you need to do to get where you want to go or to get, no one has to know that you had to take a step. You know how you had to take a pause. You can tell somebody if you wanted to, but like what, you know, doesn't matter at that point, right. you know? So you've got a technique now that you can use to understand and work with your first nature habit. And then that by virtue becomes stellar. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's relatable. Yeah. 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 So yeah. You, yeah. That's yeah. cool. Um, so I, so is there anything, cause as we're drawing nearer, we could talk, we could do part one and part two with you, Mary Dana. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, is there anything that you're <laughs> dying for people to know about the Katona practice that we didn't touch on or that you feel is pretty relevant or necessary? It's or- a great practice. I think that one, I'll, I'll be this really succinct about this. I think, mm-hmm. I think some people think it has, it's like, you have to give up everything you've done to do it. I don't know if everyone thinks that, but it's like, it's not necessary. It, it works with what you already do, what you already have. I know we touched on that a little bit, but it allows you to explore things maybe differently, which I think is really interesting. And also it always being able to step into that place of asking yourself why you do the things you do can be insightful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think you, you might talk about this, the, in, you know, like with body readings that we've done before, mm-hmm. like you see these things in the body. And so that means you can play with them in an embodied practice. And when you find yourself like jumping the gun and shifting in too far forward, you know how to put the brakes on when you find yourself, you know, being really bogged down by everything life and, you know, getting, sitting heavy and just the inertia of life is getting you down. You have techniques so you can trick yourself. So you can, you know, open up your windows and windows are collarbones, by the way, those are listening and get the breath in. And, you know, we play with different pieces of the body, like body as a house. That's a metaphor for another time. But you, there are things that everyone can do. Everyone has this, in, in a way, most people are working with the same material, two eyes, two hands, two feet, two knees, you know, and then everybody can then play in that realm and find what they need to do to get to where they want to go in time. Mm-hmm. All right, Mary Dana. So we're talking a lot about the material and how to apply it um, in the yoga practice. Is there anything you want to say about how you've applied the material in your own life or how it's impacted your own evolution over time? Absolutely. Um, you know, when I first like went to, I started practicing the material and then I, and then I went to a calendar workshop and it sort of changed my perspective on everything because it was, a, it was looking at a practice that helps you use your time well. And so I, I kind of was shifting in that direction with practice and I needed a practice that was less about letting go. Cause it was getting me nowhere, like going into a room and just screaming and yelling and like going for catharsis. Right. It was just like, I still had the same shit, sorry, stuff to yeah. deal with, <laughs> you know, after the class. And it was just like, I was a hamster on a wheel. Right. So I needed a practice that was more about, in a way, self-awareness, right? And so, you know, self-awareness is a time game. Like, how, you know, it, it makes you be not necessarily aware of the passage of time, but, the, you know, this, the more self-aware you are, you get the best out of time, right? Because you don't trick yourself. You get out of your own right. way. Um, and so, you know, I was moving towards, a, away from a practice that was about letting go and catharsis and more about one that was about, self-awareness, insight, and in a way, mapping, right? Rerouting, being able to have practice to look at my patterns and then reroute them when necessary. And I've used that so much in my interpersonal life, right? Like um, I, you know, had 
kind of bad luck with relationships. And, you know, looking back in hindsight, a lot of that, most of it, if not all of it was self-inflicted, right? You know, and it's like, you're getting to the same place over and over again. Well, you, maybe, you you know what, it's funny. It's funny. You say that because in therapy, I say to people, so I have something to let you know, it's going to be both disappointing and empowering, but you realize you're the common denominator and people are like, "Ah," kind of like both relieved and disappointed. Like, oh shit. Like I have to, to do something different. And I'm like, so you relate to that. You're saying. Absolutely. And that's a self-awareness thing. I mean, I'm going to bring this up. I think it's okay. We won't bring up the name, but in a training, remember somebody had shared that they were getting kicked in the head all the time. And by the way, in adjustments and assistant classes, and this is a silly reflection of that, but well, you're putting yourself in the same position over and over again, right? Of course, it happens once, not your fault. Happens twice, not your fault. Happens multiple (laughs) times. Well, then maybe it might still not be your fault but it's still your problem, right? right? So then that, at least if you can't like kind of acknowledge, because in a way we are all partially responsible, right? And I think that's important too. Like every different factors play a role. We have to see how all the different factors play together. But that first gives you like the permission to look at it. What can I shift differently for the next time. And that's a mapping game, right? And you know, in the practice, we use maps. We use maps to map the terrain of our bodies. Our bodies tell the story of where we've been in our lives, how we lived. And in a way, even the patterns that we have with things we think that are just of the mind or the heart, right? right? And so I realized that I needed to look at my patterns Mm. and then you know, in a way, make peace with it. And I was doing that slowly and life was shifting in other ways. Like it became, you know, uh, you know, better in a way, you know, career wise, I wasn't staying in jobs that were no longer, you know, fulfilling. Um, You know, my relationship with money and other people, I mean, other people, I'm going to make it higher than money, but, you know, just like the basic needs were always met in my life. That was never a problem. So I have a certain amount of privilege when I talk about this stuff. Um, But my, you know, I was more self-aware in how I was doing everything. And then it took me kind of a long, a longer time, but a shorter time to like really get to the point. And it was the pandemic too, that was a little cat a catalyst of it. You know, I was putting myself out there a lot more because I'd been in like, you know, disappointing relationships. A lot of it was self you know, I think we all think that everyone that breaks up with us is a narcissist. And I think if you really start to think of it, we have to ask who's the narcissist, right? yes. Like, yes. <laughs> you know? And anyway, I, it, it's after a while, I was like, exhausted that I was almost gave up for a while. And then like when I started practicing Katoni Yogan, you know, practices more of insight, had that had more insight in them, I was putting myself out there more. So like my fiance right now is not like my first time out there. I was getting myself out there already. Right. Um, And then, you know, when the pandemic happened, I don't know. It was like, and this wasn't like a desperate thing, but I just got really organized. I read in a, a book and I can't remember the authors, but it's called Attached, which looks at different. Yes. It's amazing. Styles, right? Different yeah. Styles. yeah. And with like a lot of case studies. And it was like, oh, I remember reading it and then like listening to it too and going for runs. And it was like, it wasn't like I had any like dwelling in what I saw in the patterns. Like I wasn't like sad or upset or uh, upset or guilty about, you know, how I obviously was in my own way and repeated just embedded patterns um, in my life, in my dating life. But it was just like, I had an aha moment an insightful moment. And then first, I don't know, it just was like, I got really organized and then I I met like my fiance. Right. <laughs> like one of those. Do you stories. think? Do you think it was something you noticed a habit or a, 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 how you were approaching that situation of partnership or? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And also like, you know, my expectations and like how I also assumed because I think society like sets us up to assume people behave in a certain way. 
And especially like with, you know, like, like we're taught that, you know, you should, you should have men chase you and it should always be a game. And that's a real powerful story. That is so not true. Thank you. If anyone is listening to this, throw that shit out the window because that is absolutely not true. You do not have to spend the rest of your life playing a game. (laughs) It's like, it is, you are worthy of love Mm. and you are worthy of loving someone. And like, you know, that is what I think I learned. And, you know, it was really interesting because like, I think, you know, women, and I don't know if this is still a big thing, but the rules, have you ever heard of the rules was a big thing. And it's like, I bought into that. And that is playing with the attachment styles of what is it? Avoidant. And yes. Oh my God. I've heard it so often in therapy. It's so funny. You're like quoting like the women I see. They're like, yeah. the roles are that you let him contact. I'm like, no, no, no. no. We're going to say what we want. We're going to pick up the phone and text when we want to text. We're not mm-hmm. going to think about it. Right. We're going right. to do it. Right. And I think like too, you know, I recommend because if sometimes people ask me for recommendations of dating sites and like I was on Hinge and Bumble and I think those are two of the best. You can still, everybody watch Tinder Swindler. And and know like you know what's out there. You know I met Matt on Tinder though. That's okay. No no no. Okay. Nothing wrong with Tinder. Nothing wrong with Tinder. I know people who are together on Tinder. But the movie and actually my my point greater point, which was lost in jumping to Tinder Swindler, was that you can find those people on any site. Right? They're everywhere. Like I would see the same people yeah, anyway. Like I was pretty sure some of the people on there were spammy, but yeah. I, you know, I did meet um, Justin on Bumble, and you know, you have to ask the guy out, and I think that already means if like a a, a guy is okay with that, that already like that's your baseline, yeah. And I think that's that's good. And by the way, just to be clear, like people who have attachment and avoidant styles, they're not bad people. You know, sometimes they, you know, society has let them down. Their own home life has let them down. Like they've also been taught this reinforced pattern dynamic that I think is just a construct. And I think it's a, it's a realization that because they had that, it's not your responsibility to fix that either or stick around for it. Right, right, right. You have to like go move on. And move yeah. on fast. And like, because a lot of things too, and I see people still doing this, friends of mine, they stay in relationships until they're just like the, the house is burnt down and there's nothing else there. And so there's no good memories, you know? And it's yeah. really sad. You know, it's like the only way any, they're going to leave is if it's just so torn apart, you know? And, and, and it's like, you know, yeah. anyway. It's like, also, I think it's like cast a bigger net to see more, you know, because one of the things the physical practice has taught me is that it's not always what you think. And that's really simple. It's like, you can feel like your left hip is somewhere and it's completely somewhere else. And like if in the body, in the life, right? right. And so you start to become more aware of every little piece of you. And it, it, it me more aware you over your body and, you know, things you can't see with your eyes because we really can't see our bodies full only from the inside right you can look in a mirror you can look at pieces um you know some of like the embodied patterns are sometimes we sit in our heels and what does it mean to like drag ourselves and it's like that I did that with dating too and I was exhausted by it I would like make all these dates and cancel them I just wanted to like, you know, like that's like the biggest thing is like get out there and just do it, you know? Um, And then it's also like the being worn out from, you know, projecting and teach when you're teaching yoga, I was teaching like large amounts of people all the time and that's exhausting. And you have to like be aware of how that exhausts you so that you don't let it burn you out, right? And so all these things played into the picture of me finding my partner and, you know, and another, and everything too. I think it even is like how we found a house, you know, cause we like really first we're like, no, we want to live in this little neighborhood, you know, where a lot of our friends are. And, you know, we were looking at like properties there and, and they were pretty bad. We almost bought two. <laughs> Thankfully we didn't. Um, and then, you know, our realtor was like cast a wider net. And then we ended up finding like perfect house. Now, 
you know, it's, we looked somewhere else. We're so much happier. The, the house is not a fixer upper, like, you know, and we didn't really have the energy to do that. So that was like kind of, you know, our budget was more, you know, on that level, especially in this one town, it wasn't the town was expensive. It's just, it was so small. There was no inventory. Yeah. Right. And so that's too, it's like when you're like limiting your view of where your partner is going to come from, if you're single out there, it's like, well, make sure you're, making, there's a lot of inventory, right? <laughs> like expand. And like, you know, I didn't, Justin kind of like, I would have gone out with him no matter what, had I not expanded, you know, he was right. like, I mean, and on his dating profile, he had, he, you know, he does these self portraits. He's an artist and he had a, he had a picture of him in uh, the waves of the water with a pumpkin on his head. I mean, come on. he's perfect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, that's how I've used the practice interpersonally. And I think it's an amazing, insightful practice. And I think, you know, other practices, I don't want to like put them down. It just at a certain time, you kind of have to reflect on why you're practicing. And, you know, for the endorphins and the catharsis, you know, I'll go for a run, but I'm not going to pretend that my yoga practice is giving me insights, which I think is what a yoga practice in a way designed to be if it's if it's mindful practice then i think like then it's you know there's there's a lot of utility in it i don't want to again say that someone's practice is bad it's it's not all of it's good and we all have we were talking about this in the training our gateways (laughs) yes my god yeah so well i think you know one thing i've i've to say about you, I've noticed, and I don't know if this is all the Katono that we give it all to that, <laughs> but I think it's all you is since I've known you, which is about five years, is you have from the outside, you've had an evolution that I have noticed where, and, and you tell me if this is out of line, but when I met you, you seemed very boundary oriented, um, very like, okay, I, I'm not sharing a whole lot. You know, but then I remember when I came back up to see you, I don't know if it was 2019, and we took your class at the studio, and we went to your house in Brooklyn for dinner, and you were like a totally evolved person. You were like, your guard was down. You were talking about different areas. So, I mean, was that the practice? Well, in a way, well, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. It, it was just like such a nice thing. It yes. felt very like different than what I was used to having known you earlier. And maybe part of that's natural progression of relationships, but also it mm-hmm. seemed like a different you or a different layer of you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like, I don't know if that's Katona yoga and more like mm-hmm. we're, we were getting to know each other more and I'd been up to you know, in, in the other situations that I've seen you in, like I was at Laughing Lotus, which I had to always keep up a guard because it was, it was such a mismatch for me to be there at a certain time. And then, like, the irony is like, that's where like everyone's sharing and like, everyone's right. like open. And I was like, no, you know, like I had like some boundaries there. I think that, you know, I, I'm very still particular in like who I open up to, but you know, in a world where everything is open source, I do kind of want to you know, I'm never going to be an overshare. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, but I think that it's helpful for people to maybe, you know, see how practice is used by their teachers, like how they really use it in their lives or, you know, people that teach, even if they're not your teacher. So, yeah. 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 Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, um, it's so interesting. Yeah. It's so, in it? yeah. 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 It's pretty cool. Um, I think that's it. Do you want to end it with them and let them? Yeah, yeah, I mean, thank you so much. That was great. Uh, do you mind letting them know if anyone wants to take a class with you, where they can find you if they're interested in maybe trying it out? Because I know that you teach online. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me at marydanayoga.com and I have online classes and, you know, some workshops and programming coming up and a new membership that is going to launch soon. I have an older one, but a new one that's going to come soon with you get a lot of access to things. Um, so marydanayoga.com. <laughs> yeah. And we'll put it, we'll put it in the, in show, the show notes, notes and, yeah. and yeah. drop it in um, so that they can access it. Yeah. And you teach in person too right now or no? Yes, I do. 
I teach uh, in New York and I'm located in Brooklyn um, and I teach both in Brooklyn and in the city of the studio, which is the Katona Yoga uh, Center and uh, in New York City. Um, and I teach at Prema Yoga Brooklyn and I teach at Equinox, which has always been a great place for me to learn how to develop the material. Um, and now you can find me for a Pilates class. So if you want to do the hundred with me, I don't do the magic square in the hundred. But maybe I should. I know. It's funny you said that. I got into Pilates during during quarantine too. Well, I was I've been doing it for for as long as I've been doing yoga. Oh wow. Oh wow. But not as consistently. Mm. But I decided to get my certification and do it. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 So that's great, Jared. Yeah. I know. I bet yeah, Matt got me some one for Christmas and like a certificate to go try it and and, and you, uh, you did privates, no? I did privates, yeah. With, with a the, performer? Yeah. Yes. Oh, amazing. Loved it. Loved it. Um, yeah. But I think that's, that's it. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we thank you again for, for joining us. Yes, thank um, you so much. Yeah. Hopefully we thank can you. Get, take class one time. We do a New York trip and come take class or something. Yes. That'd be nice. And I can come down there again one time. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Totally. It'll be fun. Sure. It'll be fun. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, MD. See ya. Bye. Mm-hmm.